You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Let's jump into this week's conversation. back to From the Field. If this is your first time joining us, my name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church and the founder of Telio, a care and formation ministry for pastors. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Ridgeline Church and also the president of MyXP, a ministry where we provide remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. So uh, we talk about, we, we tend to talk about pretty serious things. You know, uh-huh. urgent things yeah. and emotional things and heart level things. Man. So we like to start with something that's not hyper serious, right? Got it. So we yeah, we start with like some some like loose question, silly question, fun sure. question, light question is the big thing every week. Okay. So I picked one out of the box. Uh-huh. I'm always thinking about you. You always look nervous because I don't tell you beforehand what it's going to be. But I'm I thinking about. I'm not. I'm not looking to stump you. In well, the beginning, so this one's right up your alley. About me, so it couldn't stump me. Well, no, they're not. We're not <laughs> Don't challenge trivia. me. I think I could stump you about you. <laughs> we're not doing trivia. No, we're not. All right. So the question this week is: What is your favorite app on your phone? Oof. Right. I know you. I was thinking about. I'm a little torn. I think. I bet you the app I go to the most, mm-hmm. if I'm honest, is probably Instagram. Okay. I use more than anything else. Yeah. Um, but I got to say a close second is the IMDB app. Yeah, that's a good app. So I use that one a lot. Yeah, I guess my, when I was thinking about favorite, I was thinking like most helpful or mm-hmm. something like that. To me, like... You have a high number of like really... Productivity like, apps. Like nerd yeah. apps, yeah. Yeah, back when you used to put apps in folders, I had like like not that many folders or I had lots of folders with nothing in it. And then the productivity one was like six pages. So <laughs> right. it was just like keeping the productivity apps right. out of it. Um, I love, so I will say I'm, I'm still a little perplexed by it, but I love the Siri shortcut app. I am really into this. I don't even know what that is. I know you don't. The Siri short. So you're setting up like, it's hard to even explain. Like, um, so it's like, actions that Siri can do, but you like add it as a shortcut. And so for example, mm-hmm. um, my apartment complex, uh, has this like uh, cloud based, like unlock system. Right. And I have, I have it set up to where when I get near my apartment, Siri will ask me if it should open the garage. Yeah. And I do because, oh man, this is so nerdy. Yeah. I did the math to figure out like, there's a big, if you don't do it ahead of time, there's a big delay to make it open. Mm-hmm. Then there's a delay for it to open because it's very slow. And I figured out that by doing it as I like pull into the parking lot and that I don't have to like stop on the way in, mm-hmm. just take a shot. You know, people always do that. Like mm-hmm. how many years of your life do you spend brushing your teeth and so on and so mm-hmm. forth? How many hours a year would I, do I save by the series short? Two and a half. You just ruined it. <laughs> It's two, but I just feel like you should have guessed like 25 minutes. You already told me this. That's that's how I knew. I was hoping you were going to ask that question. Clearly, I was really excited about this because. (laughs) So how, how, like, so this Siri app, Mm -hmm. shortcut app. Yeah. Is this like, uh, is this something that you've been using a lot for a while? Or, because you're also prone to be like, <laughs> my favorite thing in the whole world is this thing is I just discovered. For like a week. No, yeah, I, I, I do been, that too. I mean, I've been doing it for a few months. I, it, it's existed for a couple versions of iOS. Uh-huh. 
it doesn't like how it works doesn't fully make sense, mm-hmm. but like I have it triggered to where I just put a shortcut on my or push a button on my home screen and I can create a to do for one of my team members at my XP or oh, that's awesome. it's just like it saves you from like or like I know one of the things I've noticed I don't have like a regular Starbucks order yeah but you can like save your regular Starbucks order as a Siri shortcut and then you say hey Siri order my Starbucks oh that's and cool. it will go to the store you want it will be the order you want and it'll tell you how long until it's going to be ready so it's like letting Siri actually be the personal assistant that mm-hmm. we were promised so many years ago by Steve Jobs himself right um and it's actually doing it but you have to you have to be like a little bit of a coder i don't know so anyway let's okay. that one all right that's all a right. good answer i like yeah, that one thanks all right that's the light Did part you of decide the... which is yours i still think i mean i am dubious go to the most that doesn't mean favorite does it yeah i think my favorite is well yeah that's true i framed my own question wrong in my own head my mm. favorite then is spotify by far okay yeah because yeah. i use that I mean, All I go time. to Basecamp the most. It's a real yeah. love-hate relationship. <laughs> but I, I go to the most and love Spotify. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, good. <laughs> All right, so last week, we started a series of conversations on this topic of staffing, uh-huh. specifically overstaffing. Okay. And so last week, we talked about- Side note, can I just interrupt you? I yeah, feel I'm two like, seconds in. Uh, Why, well, this seems like a great I time. Know. Go ahead. I just have noticed about myself Mm -hmm. that every time we do one of these episodes, you're talking about it. And in order to sound engaged, you pretend like you were not a part of coming up with it. And then I have no, Oh, (laughs) we are. (laughs) Well, even you were just recapping last week. I'm part of the host thing. And you were like, you were literally here for it. We did this. Oh, really? (laughs) Wow. Tell me more. So at any rate, for anyone who's listened and noticed that, I'm just super sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to work really hard on it because I think about it while I'm doing it every time. Yeah. And then it's a whole thing. See, so. I teased you before we started this for listening back to episodes. Mm. And that's a very great reason because you're learning stuff. I am learning things. Yeah. Yes. That's good. So can I go? Yeah. Are we good? You're All good. Right. I want, I'm, so I'm going to start over and I want you to be just as surprised as you were the oh. first time. <laughs> what? <laughs> So last week we discussed some reasons that overstaffing is such a problem. So the financial burden, we talked about the way that it can waste funds on roles that need not be paid for. We had a long list. So if you missed that episode, go check that out. Mm -hmm. But there are a wide ranging uh, number of problems that come with overstaffing. And so this week we are going to shift our attention to discussing some reasons why we get ourselves into these situations where we're overstaffed and stretched in all the ways we talked about last week. Okay. And the reason I'm, I really like talking about, I try to do it as a preacher and anytime I'm writing, I really think it's important to understand why we do things. Okay. Um, cause unless we understand why we get ourselves into these situations, I would argue we're ill-equipped to avoid the problem. So totally. <clears throat> we got some great feedback about last week that it was helpful. But I think before we get to next week, which is talking about how do we do really good need-based hiring, yep. let's talk about why we get ourselves into this mess. Got it. Okay. Yep. Do you remember this from yesterday when we planned it? <laughs> I do. You just were like, and last week and bef- f- what we did last week before we get to next week, what yep. we're going to do this week. I yeah. just was trying to, I just want people to like, try to see where in the timeline we actually are. My, my, pr- I want this to be like, a, are we going like, back to the future? I want this to be like a Marvel movie okay. where the, the timeline, I want people to have to whiteboards to follow the series Got of it. what's happening. Perfect. 
This is a prequel to what we talked about last week, but a sequel to what we'll talk about next. It's a whole thing. Oh, man. All right. So why we get ourselves into these mess, this mess, I'll start us off. Mm-hmm. Um, one reason I've noticed that I felt, I think, personally and that I've seen with friends yeah. is that we hire in order to establish uh, our own legitimacy. Mm-hmm as a lead pastor who has planted and then pastored through small phases of church, mm-hmm. it's like, I know what it feels like <laughs> to look at this thing that is your, you know, oftentimes your full-time job, but it's yeah. like just you. Yeah. And especially early on, you don't have an office. Um, you tip like you work out of a coffee shop or out of your home, Sure, you know, especially if your church, you might have 15 people in your core group. Just, it just doesn't feel very real. The only place it really exists in, is inside of your head. Okay. And so I've seen, you know, and I think then comparison to mega churches and with these big, vast teams and some of these churches have like four sure. or 500 staff members. I think you compare yourself and it just feels like my thing isn't really a thing. Sure. So I need a team. That's one way that I can make what we are doing feel legitimate is yeah. to have a staff. And yeah. so you basically hire people you probably can't afford. And we would argue you probably don't need in yeah. order for you to just feel like this is real. Yeah. And I think that gets you into a real mess. Sure. I mean, I think that, and it is hard because you go to conferences and that those types of things and these big buildings with these staff. And I remember going to all those things, just thinking like, Oh, someday yeah. life will be great. Right. If, and, uh, I don't think that that day's a thing. Um, but yeah, I think that, and it's hard because I don't know that this is, I don't know that we can say that that's not like actually what that does either. I, I think that in some sure. ways, you know, like someone signs on your website and you got a couple staff, but it's like, oh, wow. They're, oh, yeah. I, 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 I think mean, that's a great point. I wouldn't even say it doesn't accomplish that. Right. We're just stating we're not even I guess in some of these, we're not even making judgments about yeah, whether no or not they're right or wrong. Just yeah. why do we do this? But I think that's a really sure. good point because it does make you feel like when, when we go somewhere and there's two of us instead of just me, yeah. that feels more real than when sure. it's just me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, I do think whether or not it's the right decision, it does accomplish it. I just think that it can be a factor that causes us to staff prematurely or to overstaff as well. Totally. And I think that uh, it's all about a cost benefit analysis. Obviously, like you really have to determine, especially if this is your driving reason. I Mm -hmm. don't think it's like a terrible reason. I don't think it's a reason not to do it. But if it's your driving reason, establishing legitimacy doesn't really seem like a reason to spend I mean, even if you're paying poorly, yeah. you know, by the time you pay for conferences and health insurance and, um, you know, trips to Starbucks and all of those kinds of things, I mean, you're looking at, you know, sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 for a, you know, typically what, uh, what we used to say at Starbucks as you thought about hiring mm-hmm. was you take whatever their annual salary is and you double it and that gets you close. Interesting. And I think just based on all the extraneous things mm-hmm. that people don't think about. And I think it's sort of like when you're trying to justify like, uh, an expense, maybe you like get yourself house poor, you just decide, mm-hmm. well, you know what, we're just not going to eat out as much. And yeah. we're just not going to, and so you, in your mind come up, well, you know what, I'll just cut back on the books I order and I'll, and you like, you chisel out the dollars and cents to make it like work. Yeah. And it doesn't. Yeah. So I think that when you think through the value of 
some sort of established legitimacy. I guess the question would be, who are who are you trying to be legitimate to? Yeah, I think that's a really, really good question. Because I, I would say, I mean, this we could have a whole conversation just about this because I think the the like needing to pacify this need for legitimacy thing mm-hmm. can drive us to do all kinds of things that we, like you know a church plant with seven people that has like forty five uh, position papers on mm-hmm. every like you're like this is how we feel this is how I feel you're like no one's asking these questions no <laughs> one cares if you have more position papers than people in your church that might be a problem oh that's awesome so I would just say be careful about that sure. as a motivator in general yep. Another uh, reason why we do this is to uh, fulfill misguided promises. Mm-hmm. I'll speak to this, and then we'll come at this from two different angles. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, uh, I'm, I, I enjoy. I think this is probably common with a lot of people, but I, I enjoy processing ideas and dreams and vision and all that stuff verbally with people. Mm-hmm. It helps me clarify my own thoughts uh, as a leader. It is appropriate and like a necessary part of your job to help other people be excited about those things too. Mm -hmm. So I love talking about that. I have noticed times in the past though, where in having those conversations, it creates an expectation in the people who are listening. So for instance, like, you know, we've always started the churches that we planted with friends, like people we're in relationship with. Mm -hmm. And so there's been times in the past where I've been sitting with some of those people who all have regular jobs, but invested a very high level in our church still do. Yeah. And when we've had those kind of conversations where they go something like, wouldn't it be awesome if Mm. someday we get to a point where we're all on staff, this is our thing. We get to be together all day. We get to serve Jesus full time in vocational ministry together all day, every day. Wouldn't that be awesome? And I, and and I'm just thinking like, wouldn't that be awesome? (laughs) Sure. And, and I've noticed though, in the way that that, that's often processed by other people is all of a sudden the clock is ticking. Totally. And they're like, all right, this is going to happen. Right. He right. said it. And so it's just mm-hmm. amazing how quickly an idea can move to an expectation in another sure. person's mind. Sure. And so sometimes what happens is you feel this sense of obligation. I said this, clearly this person's expecting it now. Now I have to do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, uh, it's especially as the leader of an organization, most people don't understand everything that goes in, everything that goes into uh, making a hire, the cost, can it be afforded and all of that. And so when you are the de facto CEO of the organization, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you essentially have the ability to make that statement in a way that it is an expectation, you know, whether or not you meant it that way, you are like the boss of the church. Yeah. Ergo, you could decide if somebody could be hired. So yeah. when it's said, that's what people interpret. Right. Uh, and so I think there's that. I also think the thing that I don't love ever is when uh, people on staff, whether it's lead pastors, executive pastors, anything, utilize a staff position as like a carrot on the end of a stick yeah. for to get volunteers to produce and produce and produce. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes, especially with like younger staff members, like, hey, you just never know. <laughs> right. You just never know. Meanwhile, you think like, there's no way we could ever hire this person. Right. Um, and it's used, it's also used as like, hey, you know, like, man, get your life together, you know, like quit that habitual sin. What And, and so then it just puts so much pressure mm-hmm. on the person to, like 
like live completely holy and, mm-hmm. and they, they view it as this checkbox of mm-hmm. like, if I do all these things, then I get to achieve my mm-hmm. dream of being in. It can almost ministry. create an idol in a person, like create totally. a ministry idol in a person's heart. For sure. Just cause you were talking about like, wouldn't it be nice? Yeah. So be careful who you dream with. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and the degree to which and, you do it. And the specificity yeah. with which you do it as well. Yeah. That's a good word. Yep. And I think that if people, um, cause sometimes you're going to be in a situation where people ask you, uh, so it's not even just you dreaming, but people like pin you down sure. and just wonder like, could it ever happen? Yeah. And I think that I've had people flat out ask me before, what's your vision for? Yeah something that involves them. Sure. Totally. So by definition, they are like literally pinning you down and asking you to speak to that. Right. And I think that, um, this is true in all things in life. I mean, there's just like good Bible about like, you know, saying where you're going to go tomorrow and this and that. And like, I just feel like, um, I, I don't know. I've been in ministry long enough. I don't make definitive answers about much of anything. Right. Like people are, are wondering at this point, if you listen uh, to our podcast, they're wondering, are we going to meet in February? Mm-hmm. Have you and I made a firm decision on whether or not we're meeting and do we know exactly the date we're going by or going back? Mm-hmm. The answer is no. Right. We literally don't. I got an email today from someone at the school, so we're going to have to decide soon. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like- Should we decide now? Should on the be? podcast in real time? Sure, why not? No, I don't want to, because okay. I still don't know. So <laughs> I was like, that one's so weird. We're going to really get into it, huh? Okay, good to know. Uh, Jillian would like to know, however. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, uh, what would be another reason that <sighs> we get what into this mess? What would be another reason? Well, I think one of them is probably uh, as you think about just kind of the burden of mm-hmm. the full-time ministry job and all of that, it's really to lighten the leadership load. Yeah, I think that you look at it and you say, you know what? I need some help. Mm-hmm. I need some help and I need that help to be paid. Mm-hmm. So they have to help me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, that's genuinely, I think why it does. It. And I think that what people need to really recognize is uh, it doesn't necessarily make things easier. Yeah. It just makes them different. Yeah. I think that's a really good word. Like I, I got asked or I've been asked before, like <clears throat> what, what was different about being, what's different about being like a church planter or small, normal sized church pastor to a large church pastor. Yeah. Cause I got to experience both of those things. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that there's an assumption sometimes like, well, when you have a whole staff, all you did was, you know, prep your sermon and sure. study and do all that. And I wrote eight hours while pastoring a large church. So sure. I wasn't spending all my time doing that. I would argue all it did was shift the people I was responsible to totally. disciple. So I was then responsible to, rather than like now where I'm, my primary responsibility is the discipleship of our church as a whole. I was really responsible for the discipleship of our staff and care and counsel in those areas. Mm-hmm. But it, you're right. It didn't, it did not make my job was no easier. Sure. I mean, I, in that situation it was like a million times harder. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was just, just different. But I do definitely think there's a misnomer. Like if I could just hire five people, it mm-hmm. would be so easy. Oh, but I think the people that think that end up being super crappy bosses. Sure. Because they, there is a way that you can function with a staff that makes your life easier. Totally. And I would argue if you're someone that has super high turnover, like every person who's ever worked for you quit, mm-hmm. you're probably not a very good boss. And yeah. it might be because you're hiring people to make your life easier and then not assuming the responsibility of then caring for those people. 
totally. I mean, even from a servant leadership standpoint, that's just such a weird way to look at it. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's like, how can these people serve me? How can they help offload my plate? And and make no mistake, I do totally agree and prescribe to that should be their kind of view, but mm-hmm. not yours. Yeah. <laughs> I can think that about our relationship. Yeah. You can't. Right. Because it gets weird pretty quick. Um, and I just think that that is, uh, yeah, it's important. I think the other thing is the extra work you have to do to invest in those relationships mm-hmm. and to over-clarify. And this, I mean, you know, when, when it's just you or just a couple, it's pretty easy to spend a lot of time together. The moment there's multiples, it's just really hard to invest the time and energy into the relational variable that you didn't have when when somebody just saw you on Sunday morning. Yeah. When you're investing time and energy in that, you got to remember, you know, birthdays and anniversaries and pet things and yeah. just. I mean, there's a lot more responsibility on you as the leader yeah. to invest personally into these relationships. Yeah, and I think that that again. We should have, like, if someone could sit in here and write down ideas for other episodes, mm-hmm. that'd be really great. Because yeah. <clears throat> I think there is a really good conversation we could have on that topic. Because, like, even today I was talking to a guy who's a staff pastor uh, mm-hmm. at another church. And uh, and he didn't he didn't say this in any sort of, like, he was, like, bemoaning. The, it just, like, it just came out as, like, a side comment and just struck me as so horrible. What he What he said was, like, Toward the end of last year, his pastor had asked him, like, how, how are you doing through COVID? And it was the first time he'd been asked that through mm-hmm. COVID. And he's been on staff there for a while, a long while. I mean, a, a long enough while that you should have been asked, how are you? <laughs> how many times do we ask one another, how are you? A day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a daily conversation. Right. But I just think, I think that is a real-time example of... I just don't think a lot of pastors see their responsibility as caring for the people who work for them right, or with them or anything. And I just like, I, that's hard for us to even conceive of, right. but it just happened like two hours ago. It's fresh on my mind. Sure. And I was just like, I, I am so saddened at how common that really is. Sure. Yeah. Because I think that there are just an unbelievable uh, volume of people being disqualified out of ministry and this and that. And I do genuinely think if collectively, not just the lead pastor to the staff, but collectively we viewed it as our job to like help each other finish, Mm -hmm. it would be so much fewer times that would happen. Yeah, totally. All right. Oh else? man, I feel like we're getting angrier and sadder. So we'll shift oh, to the God. next one. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> uh, all right. So another reason this is a big pet peeve for us, and mm. one that we've talked about. But another reason I think we get into this message to submit to conventional wisdom. Yeah. So we've had the opportunity. I'm really I'm thankful for it. We've been a part of a lot of networks. Mm-hmm. I'm at this point having a hard time finding networks I haven't been in at some sure. point in my totally. life. A lot of networks. We've been a part of movements. That's not my favorite term. Mm-mm. Don't like that. Free free sidebar. Mm. If you're a church planner, you're never going to tell, a city. Never tell people. Don't put it on your website. Don't ever say you're coming here to start a movement. Everyone hates you. Yes, and I know of a, t- a place where that happened. Yep. Guy was creating a movement in a town that another pastor had been there for all many years, <laughs> just grinding it out, yeah. and he didn't appreciate that no, very much. No, it's not a good, that's not, it's and not, I have not to, cool. And I have to support that second pastor's yep. opinion. 
because yeah, I'm, that's it. That's yeah, just just that's don't it. do it. Okay. Boo. So <laughs> all these networks, movements, denominations, they're all when it, especially when it comes to church planning. There's all of these opinions about staffing. Like I've been in multiple environments where it's like you need to start with a pastor, you, you, like you and a worship pastor, mm-hmm. or you need you and an executive pastor, or you and three people. You need like a shepherding person, a leading person, and I mean literally, <laughs> yeah, I've heard sure. all three of those things prescribed as the way. Sure, the to do vine it. and the trellis, prophet, priest, king, right. all of, yeah. And so what happens is sometimes we succumb to that external pressure to make decisions that don't necessarily work in our situation. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I think that's important for us to embrace is that these formulas are not fail-proof. Right. Conventional wisdom is can be wise. It mm-hmm. usually comes from experience. I just think it's really important. We talked about this yesterday to really understand what all goes into that conventional wisdom, quote unquote, mm-hmm. you know, like if it's a network that is, you know, there's, there's a type of, there's different kinds of church planting. Like we are at this point, a completely independent church. Totally. Originally, we're not a part of a network. We're not no. a part of, and I don't prescribe that for everybody. Our situ- situation is unique. Yep. We have an immense amount of relationship. We're well covered. So we don't have those things, <clears throat> sure. but some, you know, some of these networks are <laughs> almost like they franchise plant totally where it's like McChurch. Yeah. And, and like, and it, and I know that sounds condescending when we say it like that and I don't even mean it that way. It's not my thing, but I don't mean it like it. It's great. Whatever helps people walk with God. I'm a big fan of, but like when you have a franchise type church planting movement that is prescribing something for their thing Mm -hmm. and it works in the confines of their thing. But you know, Joe blow independent church planner like me hears that and goes, Oh, I need to do that too. But you don't have any of the infrastructure. You don't have that money. You don't have any of that stuff. And it's easy to receive those things. This is, I think this especially was true. The younger that I was, Mm because I was just scared that we were going to fail. And, uh, but that just doesn't always work. Right. I mean, it's kind of like believing that you could open up a coffee shop and sell caramel macchiatos and expect to have the lines around the building like Starbucks has every Mm -hmm. day. It just doesn't work that same way. There's so much more Mm -hmm. that goes into making a successful company or business Mm -hmm. or church what it is mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily have as well. It's not just a matter of replicating what you saw mm-hmm. and ergo you get the same results. That's just, it It almost never works that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the reality that like, and like, and God has a different path for each of us as yeah. it pertains to all this and he grows the church. Yep. And so there's certainly not to say that we don't have any responsibility or don't have to be good stewards, but that's our job. Yep. Stewardship. Yep. And we have to trust God with the rest. I would also say I've, because of whether it's in the room or whatever, because God, for whatever reason has allowed it, I've had the opportunity to meet a good number of, um, pastors who have like gigantic ministries and churches. Yep. And one thing I have found very, very interesting, and this is not to negate that it's, you know, Jesus who grows the church because that's a hundred percent true. It's just interesting. Like we hear these people from platforms and books telling stories about what happened. Mm -hmm. And I have found that almost every time, there's some pretty significant backstory that often gets left out of the story. I don't sure. not not to be deceptive or anything like that, but no. for whatever reason it just doesn't make its way in. Sure. That again, my point is it it we don't we just hear these like clips or tweets or memes or a podcast where a comment is made and then we we ingest it as law because it worked for someone else when the truth is we 
don't know if it will necessarily, just because it worked in someone else's situation does not guarantee it will work in yours. Totally. And I don't even know, like just because it worked in their situation doesn't even necessarily mean it might work in yours. No. It just might be a different context. I mean, yeah. there's just so many variables that it's really so important. I mean, the one thing I think we've come back to time and time again on this podcast is like, I mean, really work hard to understand the church that God has called you to plant and pastor. And so if some of those tactics resonate with you, then absolutely. Right. But don't just look at what someone else has and do it and and just say, well, and now like we've hit the, you know, a lot of times those, those formulas are built on thresholds. The moment you get to 50, you should do this. And the moment you get to a hundred, you should do this. And, and, and the 50 people that make up your church and the 50 people that made up the church of the guy that wrote that blog article Mm -hmm. are are totally different. Yep. That's a good word. I liked that. Okay. Well done. Thank you. Just want to affirm what I think is good. That mm-hmm. was really good. I appreciate that. All right. Here's another reason. Uh, and I think this is legitimate is to minimize loneliness. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Ministry can be, especially, you know, again, like I remember when we moved here to Salt Lake. Uh, so we came here with nine friends mm-hmm. and our families, but Tam and I were the first to get here yep. by a good two months. Um, we got yeah. here in October. When did you move? December? Yeah. Well, you were here for Christmas. Yeah. So, it was, so mid December, I think yeah. December 10th or 15th or something. Yeah. So it was almost two months where it was largely just us here. Sure. And so, I mean, you want to talk about like, it, it was a weird, I, I went from the church I was pastoring was like a thousand people, yep. a staff of like 20 to just, just me and Tam. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know a, a town, single, you didn't, didn't know. know a single person here. And mm-hmm. it was very, it was very, very hard and very shocking. And it was lonely yeah. and all of that. And so I think what I'm really thankful for is that, um, by God's grace, I really do have a good foundation of friends yeah. in my life. So even though you weren't here, I still had friendship with you, Sure, our friend, Zach. Um, I'm very, very good friends with my wife, but I have these friend friendships that I can draw from. Yeah. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this again at another point, but by and large friendship for pastors is very complicated. Yes. And a lot of pastors really don't have very good friends. Yep. And as a result of that, ministry can be very lonely. And sometimes the solve in our mind for that is like, well, I'm going to hire a team. Yeah. So it's a di- similar to the legitimacy thing, but yep. a different motive. Yep. And I'm, I'm just going to hire them. And I would just argue, like, don't hire people to hang out. Yeah. And I mean, because that can be really, really... Uh, unfulfilling for sure. Mm -hmm. And sometimes really destructive for you, for them, all of that, because, uh, and again, I think, uh, in our talking about this point, we came up with the idea for other episodes, but, um, and sometimes being the lead pastor is just lonely Mm -hmm. and there's not great ways around that. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to work on some other solves. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing to keep in mind, I know uh, last week we talked about, you know, sometimes it's good to like get some things done remotely and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's helpful to farm some things out. And I'm just here to say, I don't care like how part-time your person is, the likelihood having a therapist being cheaper than a staff member is yeah. really high yeah. because I just think that sometimes that's what you need. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, uh, I think, uh, some podcasts you might listen to some Christian podcasts you might listen to that comment is a little bit of a, a slight, like, well, I suppose you need a therapist. We are like, uh, on Sunday at our stream, you wrote Jesus and therapy was I, on yeah. your, I, my on hoodie, hoodie said Jesus yeah, yeah. and therapy. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're not those people. Yeah. We actually, and, and I legitimately think, mm-hmm. um, 
that might be a great option for you. Mm -hmm. If that's really what you're feeling is that sense of loneliness, mm -hmm. like I don't know. And I can almost conjecture for sure. Staff is not going to help that. Mm -hmm. And so then you're going to need to both pay for staff and then the therapist along yep. the way. So put one before the other and see how it goes. If I could both prescribe and pay for it, I, I would prescribe and pay for therapy for every lead pastor yes. in America. We, as so the executive pastor of Ridgeline Church, for it. we cannot <laughs> do that. Um, and here's why. I, like also, I, I mean, we've talked about this on here, but I'm, I'm, as of last week, I'm back in therapy every week. Okay. Yeah. I had graduated to every other week. And, uh, last week my therapist was like, how about we go back to every week? <laughs> That's how I'm doing. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, <clears throat> but I would, I would say like, I think what has been so helpful about it for me is you like, you know, I've heard people, I've heard this so many times where it's like, oftentimes pastors don't have pastors. Yeah. And my therapist is clearly not my pastor, but, no. but part of the subtext in that sentiment, pastors don't have pastors is oftentimes the things that people come to me for, mm -hmm. I don't have that in the same way. Right. Like I, I would even argue that by and large, my experience with quote unquote spiritual fathers in my life, where I've tried to seek out the, like it hasn't gone great for me. Sure. If it's gone great for other people, praise the Lord. I envy that, but it hasn't right. been that for me. And so that has been super helpful in addition to having, and I, I say this as someone who also has very close intimate friendships as well. Mm -hmm. And I, I just know that there's probably pastors listening that were like, it'd be awesome to have one. Sure. Really good friend. Sure. And I would say you can't hire that. Right. You can't solve that overnight. No. You can probably find a therapist this week. Yeah. And it will buy you. It'll, it, it will help in some of these, even if you're not feeling like you're not struggling with like significant mental illness or what. I just sure. still think there is so much benefit in having a safe place for you to be able to process what you are experiencing in life. Because totally. especially right now, this has been a freaking hard year. Yeah. to lead anything, totally. especially a Christian church. Yeah, and I think what that does is it's kind of like uh, a pressure cooker. It just kind of lets some steam out. Yeah, that's you good. You know, the, uh, what's that? No, what's the real popular pressure cooker right now? I can't think of it. You're asking the right. That's oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, there yeah, you yeah. go. Uh, and like, as it comes, you can like, if you really want to get the food out right away, you just like press a little valve and it like sprays steam everywhere and yeah. then you can open the lid, yeah. but you can't open the lid until then because it would explode and kill you right. and el it's electronics don't allow it. That's yeah. why an Instapot is better than a regular mm -hmm. pressure cooker. Are you, you, are you still, do you still know what your illustration's about or have you derailed into a commercial for Instapot? <laughs> um, I think. <laughs> can you bring it back around? I can and I, right. I, 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 I can. Okay. <laughs> the importance is that yeah. you have an ability to press that valve. Yes. There See, it is. That would have been it. like mic drop if you wouldn't have But I feel it. like I saw in your eyes, uh-oh, he's losing it. <laughs> he's thinking about buying an Instapot. So here, here's, no, I have one. <laughs> okay. Rude. Uh, and uh, just a little insight into me. When my, when my illustrations go long, mm -hmm. it's because my brain's like three clicks ahead trying to... <laughs> Trying to remember where I was headed. And sometimes you might have me say, yeah. what was I talking about? Yeah. Because it's not that I didn't know what I was talking about. I yeah. just didn't understand how I got so far away from totally. that. Totally. Anyway. Anyway. Moving it along. Yeah. But no, it is. We, we need that to be able to do that. So I, our argument would be hiring people to minimize your loneliness um, or to fix your friend need. Sure. Like those are legitimate. 
you need a place to be yeah. able to let the steam out. You need relationship in your life, but hiring a staff might not accomplish what it is that you're looking for. In fact, it probably won't accomplish what it is you're after. Totally. And then I think probably the last kind of thought we came up with on this is just the idea that you have to quiet the squeaky wheel. Yeah, that was your idea. Talk about that. I really liked that. Yeah, so I think a couple of things. One, as pastors, um, if we can just... Uh, be done with the idea that a lot of people, or I was talking to quite a few, or said so, like, and like whether when people say that to you, well, either when people say that to you, or even how you think about it in your mm, mind, mm-hmm. I think it's so important that when you're thinking about church feedback, thinking about what people are telling you, thinking about making decisions based on that, these people have faces and names, mm-hmm. and you can like see them all laid out end to end because yeah. uh, it's so easy for all of us to you know, have that conversation twice with the same person. And then all of a sudden that's all anyone thinks about. Or when you meet with people and they'll say, well, I was talking to quite a few people. I, uh, to this day, uh, even at our own church, I will like, uh, I tried to be polite, but mm-hmm. I'll interrupt people Ooh. and say, listen, yeah. um, we're here to talk about what you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've had a conversation with anyone else, I really encourage you to that, to ask them to have that same conversation with us so that we can understand because mm-hmm. uh, we don't like, you know, this is not the U.S. government. You're mm-hmm. not a representative on behalf of anyone. Yeah, right. Like, you're representing what you think. Yeah, you have no constituents. And, and even with you saying, well, I've talked to quite a few people, uh, the the more fleshly side of me wants to interrupt and say, oh, so before this conversation, you gossiped about it. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's the, you know, and, and I think that that's where, um, it's just really important that we, first of all, identify who are we talking about? Mm-hmm. And then just because the same person or same person and their best friend or same person and their spouse brought something up to you a couple of times mm-hmm. doesn't mean that everyone, quote unquote, sure. is really in need of this ministry or thing yeah. or stuff. Like, uh, And I think sometimes uh, because that person can often uh, repeat themselves as mm-hmm. though you didn't hear them the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, we can think, oh my gosh, the only thing that's wrong with our church is our lack of a full-time kids person. Yeah. So we better solve that right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I think another thing that you, that we do to prolong the squeaky wheel thing is mm-hmm. we are like wishy-washy and don't have the courage to give a definitive answer. So totally. like as a real time, not a real time for us, but like as a very real example that happens, mm-hmm. like, so let's say your churches, you know, a lot of church plants are planted by young pastors. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, this was true in when we planted Redemption, a, we had two kids, Ava, who was one year old, uh-huh. and one other kid who was also one year old. So we didn't have a youth group. Yeah. So what we would have- She was named Ava too. No, you're thinking of someone else. Oh. The first one was not. That oh. was the like the third child to oh, come, okay. was also cool, another cool. Ava, yeah, same yeah. age though. Yeah. But what would happen occasionally is we'd have people come and they'd have like a middle schooler, a teenager with them. Mm-hmm. And they would be like, we loved the service. Yep. This is so great. Um, man, when are you going to have a student ministry? And so oftentimes what happens is the pastor is like, oh my gosh, if we're going to keep these types of people, we have to have a student ministry. Yep. The problem is like, that's true. Yeah. But the solution oftentimes that we run to is like, well, we got to hire a youth pastor. Right. And I would, I would argue one of two things. Sometimes like we've made the decision. We're very clear with people. I've had to do it since we've been here where we say, like, I had a conversation when we were back meeting in person with a new family. They're like, man, we love Awana. 
and we really want to have like, mm. what do we have? And, and my answer was like, yeah, we don't do that. We're not going to do that. There's other churches in the area that might do it. And like, we'll, we would love to get you plugged in, not even sure. at that church, but like with that ministry. Yeah. Um, and I think some pastors are afraid to do that. Cause what if we lose these people or to just like, you can use volunteers yeah. <laughs> back to our conversation last week. Totally. You don't have to have, if you've got, you know, one middle schooler and one high schooler, you probably don't need to pay someone $60,000, $70,000 a year to hang out with those two kids sure. after school. Like sure. that's insane. But it is one of the reasons that and you end up making note, a decision. If you're looking to pay someone $70,000 to hang out with two kids, <laughs> give me a call. I might be looking for a job. People who listen to this go, this guy has nothing to do with the finances in his church. Well, so far in this episode, it's all you're paying someone 70 grand to hang out with two kids yep. and also paying for all, all pastors, pastors in America therapy. to go to therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's just like monopoly money. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. Yep. That's okay. No, but I, I mean, I, uh, I, I think that you cannot be driven by that yeah. because those people will always come yeah. and you do like we talked about as far as like being okay with people leaving and all of that, you just have to like help point them. You know what? Uh, maybe you don't have a youth group, but there's a church in the area that you know is like doing like good stuff, yep. believes the gospel, point them there. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Because it gives you the ability to stay focused on who God's called you to be versus now trying to manage a relationship with a, you know, a part-time or a full-time person who mm-hmm. doesn't really have enough job to make a job. And so you, yeah. you pitch someone on like, well, you know, we've only got two kids now, but it's your job to grow it to a hundred over the next year. Nobody's yeah. going to do that. Yeah. And I've, I've, but I, I know people that have, been, and just my gosh, what kind of ungodly pressure is that to put on someone? Totally. So you're putting the pressure on me to grow something that Paul said only Jesus can do. Mm-hmm. Like that seems two clicks from spiritual abuse right. <laughs> to do to right. someone. It's just right. not fair. Right. So, hmm, I feel like we tanked the end of that point a little bit. Oof, it just, just really, really <laughs> I, was still, I was still thinking about how mean that is to do to someone. <laughs> so right. hopefully, well, hopefully that's helpful. That, that, those are some of the reasons we see why either like we've been tempted or made decisions that we mm-hmm. regret or other people do next week. We're going to talk about. I'm excited to hear your wisdom on this because okay. you, you are very good on the, on the, the hiring thing. So we're going to talk oh, about need based hiring. Mm. So we're not anti-staff. That's not been the point of this. We? Well, <laughs> we're not anti we're not. all staff. We're, we're not anti-staff, No, but we By do, no means. but we definitely do think there's a tendency to overstaff in churches or we wouldn't be having this conversation. Totally. Right. Yeah. So we're going to talk about what should we be thinking about when it actually does come to staffing. Yeah. Right. Yep. So as always, we want you to know, uh, it's a huge blessing to us. Uh, time is super precious. There's tons of podcasts now. And so the fact that you would take time to listen to this episode is a, is a blessing to us. If you've enjoyed it, uh, you can help us in three ways. We talk about each week, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can leave a review wherever it is that you listen, uh, that helps trigger those algorithms in a way that helps other people find out about from the field. And then lastly, we would love to connect with you on social media. So you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. You can find me on the same platforms at at Tyler Dravitz. That's at Tyler, (laughs) D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. I almost forgot how to spell my name. (laughs) You did. (laughs) Bye-bye.